You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, back with you again for a brand new show. It's my Premier League roundup show. I'll be bringing you these every Tuesday. We'll be talking through uh, the weekend of Premier League actions biggest discussion points. Uh, We'll be touching on all the results and I'll be sharing my thoughts with you guys on the games in question. I'd also love to hear from you guys in the chat. So if you um, want to get your thoughts across and your points across on any of the subjects discussed, leave your comments in the live chat. I'd love to hear from you guys. Don't forget to hit the like button. First of all, smash the subscribe button too if you're new. And uh, let's get on with it without any further ado. So we're going to start off in chronological order. We're going to begin with the game that took place on Friday night between Crystal Palace and Newcastle United. Callum Wilson and Joe Linton with a couple of late goals to seal all three points for Steve Bruce's side. Now, Steve Bruce gets a lot of criticism, even from his own supporters. So a small part of me was glad, even though I kind of have a little bit of a soft spot for Palace, a small part of me was glad to see Steve Bruce pick up the points because I do feel like some of the criticism that he gets from his own fan base is a little bit unfair. It's as though Newcastle feel that they kind of have this, you know, you know, in the past they were entertainers, but they haven't been for a long time. And I just find it funny how Rafa Benitez got away with playing dire football with Newcastle United Yet when Steve Bruce does it, it's a, it's a massive issue. So, yeah, um, delighted for Steve Bruce that he managed to get all three points there. Of course, Joe Linton not been uh, in and amongst the goals anywhere near as often as some of the Newcastle fans would have hoped when he came to the club. So good to see him on the score sheet. And of course, Callum Wilson. We know what Callum Wilson can do. And he's been a really, really positive signing for them. We have heard just before I hit the live button that Newcastle United's upcoming game with Aston Villa has been postponed. We heard earlier today uh, that a number of their players have tested positive for coronavirus. The training ground's been shut down. So it makes sense. Is it a dangerous precedent to be setting? Maybe it is, um, because maybe we're going to see other clubs trying to kind of follow suit, um, you know, when it comes to uh, postponements, if, if they have a number of players taken out by the virus. But in this instance, I think this is a really... You know, this is a much bigger outbreak than we've seen at any of the other Premier League clubs up until now. It's the first game we've had called off uh, since COVID hit uh, in the Premier League in terms of, uh, or since Project Restart, I should say. So I wouldn't say um, it's something to to majorly worry about, but I think they've done the right thing in cancelling that one. Let's move on to a couple of the games that took place on Saturday. We're going to ignore West Brom, Sheffield United, although massive win for West Brom and Jalbian. They'll be delighted to have got those three points. We'll have a look at where that leaves them in the table when we check the table at the end to round up the show. But the game I want to start with uh, is the game that took place between Brighton and Hove Albion and Liverpool. Now, of course, Jurgen Klopp was really, really frustrated after this one. And he stole the headlines, didn't he, Jurgen Klopp, with his outburst towards Des Kelly, the BT Sport reporter, after the game. We'll come on to touch on that in a second. 
But it was a really good result for Brighton in the end. It was a good goal from Diego, Diogo Jota. Liverpool probably feel a little bit aggrieved because they did have a goal ruled out for offside. And then, of course, the late controversial penalty. Um, controversial in their eyes, I should add. Not controversial in most people's, though. Um, was given late on in stoppage time. And from that, Pascal Gross levelled it. And I was... Look, I'm not Brighton's biggest fan. I think with Arsenal, we've kind of formed a little bit of a rivalry with them of late with this whole Neil Mope, Genduzi thing. You know, they've picked up a few positive results against us lately. Um, so, yeah, there is a little bit of a rivalry there. There is a little bit of ill feeling from me towards Brighton. But I've got to be honest, and I feel like Graham Potter's side haven't uh, got the results that their performances have warranted so far this season. So for them... They'll be absolutely delighted that they managed to salvage a draw there. And it was a draw that they were good value for, I thought. Um, I keep saying it, Graham Potter is better than people give him credit for. His sides play football, in my opinion, the right way. And I think, you know, hopefully, I don't want to say hopefully, but I think luck might eventually turn for them if they keep persisting with what he's doing, if they keep plugging away, if they keep believing in Graham Potter's methods, because I do think he's a really, really good coach. Let's move on to the thing everybody wants to hear about, and that is Jurgen Klopp's outburst. Now, Jurgen Klopp, I, I just think he completely lost his head, to be honest. I, I thought it was, quite frankly, embarrassing the way he kind of went after the reporter. We know that the fixture schedule is condensed. We know that it's a problem. You're not the only manager complaining about it. And, and there you have to be fair to Jurgen Klopp. Oli's had a pop about it. Pep's had a pop about it. Mikel Arteta's even mentioned it um, on various occasions because it is a very difficult situation that all these clubs find themselves in at the moment. But it's a situation that cannot be helped. COVID-19 knocked out uh, three months of our season last season. As a, as a result, it knocked everything back. This season has been condensed into a smaller timeline, which means fixture congestion. It's just the way it is. I get why some of these managers are complaining. I, I get why uh, Jurgen Klopp is frustrated that he's had to play on Wednesday and then he's had to play at 12.30. But at the end of the day, that Des Kelly is not going to change that, is he? Des Kelly is not the man that is going to be able to change that. That needs to be taken up with the Premier League and, and they need to take it up with their broadcasters who, who take the broadcast deals. There's a lot of money changing hands for those broadcast slots. And, you know, you can't help but feel like it's a little bit hypocritical because you hear the clubs moaning about it, the managers moaning about it, but actually their chief executives are the ones going in there and voting for all these things. Their chief executives are the ones that are happy to pocket the large sums of money that become available from these TV deals. So I feel like the complaints um, are, are fighting. You know, I get it. I understand it. But I think Jurgen Klopp's anger on Saturday was misplaced. And I think he's come out the back of it looking a bit of an arse, if I'm honest. Um, and, I, and I do feel sorry uh, for Des Kelly, who I thought, by the way, acted incredibly well. And I thought really put Jurgen Klopp in his place. Uh, let's see what you guys are saying as well, because a few of you are uh, having your say in the comments. A uh, big hello to Harry he says Klopp is so sensitive when they lose. I think that will filter down to the players. And when the pressure comes, that could be the difference. Bad boy says he was immature. Absolutely. Totally agree. I think he was really immature. Invictus Track says Des Kelly was disgusting. He tried to trigger Klopp with rhetoric. I don't know about that. I don't I don't think that's that's the case. I don't think he did. I think he was doing what all reporters do and he was trying to get a headline out of Jurgen Klopp. 
other managers have to deal with that all the time and they deal with it fine. But Jurgen Klopp lost his head on Saturday, in my personal opinion. I thought it was awkward to watch. It was uncomfortable to watch. And um, yeah, I thought Des Kelly handled, handled himself really, really well. And I think Jurgen Klopp will probably be looking back at that and thinking, hmm, you know, I could have dealt with that in a much uh, better professional way. I certainly think that he'll feel like that, uh, having watched that uh, that interview back. Let's move on to the game between Manchester City and Burnley. Comprehensive win for Pep Guardiola's side, which included a hat-trick for Riyad Mahrez. Now, Manchester City, uh, I've been saying it all season, they just need to click into gear. We know what a talented group uh, Pep Guardiola has at his disposal. Nobody can deny that. Um, you know, he's got so many good players, so many talented players. They've had some defensive fragilities. They've not really hit the ground running at the start of this season, but there were just signs in that game against Burnley that they're starting to click back into gear. Now, you could argue that Burnley have been an opponent that Manchester City have made light work of for years and years and years now, and you'd be absolutely right in saying that. But to see City play with that um, that kind of free-flowing nature again uh, shows me that they're actually... Still in with a shot of winning this Premier League title. And we've just spoken about Liverpool. And Liverpool, I think, will be there or thereabouts and right up there and are probably still the favourites. But they're having to deal with a lot of injuries at the moment, a lot of issues. And if Manchester City can put a bit of a run together and start to find a way of, of getting their attacking players, the, the Kevin De Bruyne's, the Riyad Mahrez's, the Gabriel Jesus's, Ferran Torres, Sergio Aguero, when he gets back to fitness. If they can find a way of getting those guys firing on all cylinders, then there's no reason that Manchester City can't, in my opinion, uh, push Liverpool for the title, along with a couple of other sides at the moment as well. Uh, so it'd be really, really interesting to see how all of that unfolds in the coming weeks and months. Let's move on to the game between Everton and Leeds United. I was commentating on this one for Vsin in the United States. So it was a game I paid great attention to and it was a game I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. I thought that the game started in a really end-to-end -end fashion, um, really enjoyable watch. But I thought as the game kind of went on, Leeds United took it by the scruff of the neck. Everton did carry some threat of their own, but I thought that the, the chances they created, apart from one for Abdoulaye Decore really early on, were kind of half chances, were chances from difficult angles. And I thought Leeds stuck to their game plan. They stuck to their, their way, their philosophy, which Marcelo Bielsa deserves immense credit for. And they really stuck at it. They created lots of opportunities. And for me, they were good value for the win. And what a goal to do it with. A wonderful strike from Rafinha from the edge of the box. Ending actually what's been a really disappointing run for Leeds United. So delighted um, to see them pick up all three points and get back to winning ways because they are now, you know, I spoke earlier on about Newcastle thinking that they're the great entertainers. Well, actually, the great entertainers in this division at the moment are Leeds United. And you only have to look at how many goals they score and concede um, to understand why I say that. So massive result for Marcelo Bielsa's side away at Everton. Great way to stop the rot. And um, yeah, can they push on from here? Let's uh, let's see what happens. Uh, let's move on. Um, and we're going to move on to the games that took place on Sunday, starting with Southampton versus Manchester United. Jan Bednarik and James Ward-Prowse put the hosts uh, two goals to the good at halftime. Southampton 
were in cruise control, but Manchester United managed to turn it around. Credit to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, credit uh, to the, some of the substitutes uh, that came on and some of the players that stepped it up in the second half, especially Edinson Cavani, who got the equaliser and what turned out to be the winner. Now, a lot of people were laughing at Man United when they brought in Edison Cavani, but at the end of the day, he's somebody who's proven to have the ability to score goals on the highest stage, not just in the UEFA Champions League, in Serie A, in, in, uh, in Liga, wherever he's been. Edinson Cavani scores goals. I've also said this in the past. Edinson Cavani, for me, it, it has some of the best movement you will see as a centre forward. If you're a youngster watching football, trying to learn your trade and want to make it as a centre forward. Edinson Cavani is someone to pay great attention to. His movement in between the lines, his willingness to run channels, his physical presence, everything about him I think is is exemplary. Can he do it for 90 minutes anymore? Probably not. We're talking about a player in the twilight of his career. But um, I just want to say, uh, credit to Edison Cavani because he made a massive difference and uh, credit to United because it always feels like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is, is kind of, uh, you know, a game away from being under pressure again. And this time he, um, he pulled it out of the bag in the second half and he's, um, he's, uh, got all three points and it's a massive result for United who, um, again, I'll look at the table and update you guys on the table at the end of the program, but you can see that United's position has significantly strengthened and Southampton have been no pushovers this season as their league position suggests. So, um, yeah, a uh, massive, massive result for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side. Um, let's move on to the game between Chelsea and Spurs. What an absolute bore fest. We knew that Jose Mourinho was going to go there and sit back and do very little in terms of trying to win the game um, and just kind of hope that his side got over the line and got him the point uh, that he will he will value very highly. And that's that's fair enough. I thought that Chelsea threatened at times to, to step it up a gear and really trouble Tottenham Hotspur. I really um, it, in. I really looked at some of the opportunities that they created in the second half, particularly those that fell to Tammy Abraham and thought Olivier Giroud uh, would have eaten those opportunities up. And I actually was on 90 min um, on the TFP um, and we spoke about that. And I said, if it was me, I'd have started Giroud because I felt like Giroud would offer the kind of threat that Tottenham would struggle to handle. Tottenham would struggle to deal with his ability to bring other players into the game is invaluable as well. Obviously, Frank went with with Tammy Abraham, probably because of the fact he's got a little bit more mobility about him. He gets around the pitch, does some of the ugly stuff better. But at the key moments when opportunities came his way, in particular those crosses that were whipped into that near post area, you just had flashes in your head of Olivier Giroud and thought Olivier Giroud buries those. And I, and, and that's genuinely how I felt. I don't think Frank Lampard will be overly disappointed with a point either because, um, you know, he's been accused of being a little bit tactically naive in some of the games against the bigger sides. So I thought he did well not to get sucked into Mourinho's game. And, and I hope it's something that Arsenal don't get sucked into at the weekend because you know Tottenham will sit off. And often you can get sucked in, sucked in, sucked in, feel like the game's there to be won and then get hit by a sucker punch. So I thought Frank Lampard and his side did well not to get drawn into that trap. And, and more often than not, in these big games against the Jose Mourinho side, if you do sit off them, 
as well as them sitting off you, more often than not, you're going to get these kind of stalemates. Spurs won't want to lose these type of games. Um, Chelsea certainly didn't want to lose this type of game, particularly at this point in the season. It wasn't exactly a must-must win for anybody. It was more of a must-not-lose. And that's why I think we ended up seeing a bit of a dull uh, stalemate. Uh, and it, But ultimately, it's a, it's a result that both camps, I think, will be uh, relatively pleased with. Uh, probably Tottenham more so being away from home and the fact that probably the best opportunities did fall to Chelsea. But I don't think either manager will be losing sleep necessarily about that result. And uh, finally, on the Sunday, uh, it was the game between Arsenal and Wolverhampton Wanderers. Guess what? We're not going to talk about it because we've spoken about it to death on the last couple of days on this podcast. So if you check out the post-match reaction show, which had a live fan phone in, if you check out the show uh, with James Cook as well, there's a couple of shows looking back on that game. So check those out. It's too painful for me to go for it again. So I'm not going to do that here. So do check that out. Uh, let's move on to Monday night's games. Leicester City beaten at home by Fulham. I don't think anybody saw that coming, honestly. Um, massive, massive result for Scott Parker's side. He'll be hoping that they can kick on, push on as a result of that result, as a result of that result. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, massive result and, and one I don't think many people uh, saw coming. So credit to Fulham uh, for that. And um, I hear, I didn't see the game, but I hear uh, Ivan Cavalero up top for uh, for. Um, for Fulham was really, really good. Had a really good game, obviously scored from the spot after Adamola Lookman, if you remember, missed that shocking penalty. Um, was it against West Ham? I can't remember. Um, but he missed that penalty, didn't he, earlier in the season. He's taken a lot of criticism for that. Um, Leicester did pull one back in the 86 minute through Harvey Barnes, but it wasn't enough. And um, as a result, they were beaten. Uh, moving on to our final game of the weekend, which was the game between West Ham United and Aston Villa, two sides who have really overperformed, I think, this season. Uh, West Ham took the lead through Angelo Ogbonna. Um, Jack Grealish pulled one back with a, well, equalised, with a really, really good run. His shot was deflected when I first saw it. I thought, what a finish. Uh, but it did take a deflection to beat Lucas Fabianski. Jared Bowen put the hosts back in front just after the break. But the uh, the controversy came later on. Uh, first of all, Ollie Watkins missed a penalty, hit the crossbar. Devastating for Aston Villa. But the big, big talking point and, and the, the thing that's raised the discussion about VAR all over again was the decision to rule out Ollie Watkins' late equaliser. Now, people were talking about VAR, you know, it's ruining the game, blah, 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 etc., etc. But, I mean, you know, you're either offside or you're not. And to a degree, we have to trust that the technology is good enough. Probably could be better, I would say. Um, but we have to trust that whatever the technology says is, is, is the decision we're going to go with. There is no grey area with an offside. You're either on or you're off. I hate it when people say, oh, you know, but it was it was his arm or he was leaning forward or one of his feet were in line. That's irrelevant. You're either onside or you're offside. That rule is black and white. It's as simple as that. Some of them are really close. Some of them are, are difficult to make out given the pictures that are available uh, based on what we're seeing anyway. But at the end of the day, there is no grey area with offsides. I, you know, we, we're all sitting here saying, I don't want to see offside given for that. But I guarantee you, if it was against your team, 
You wouldn't be saying that. If you thought it was offside, you'd want it to be called offside. So I don't take a particular issue with that. Um, Villa will feel unlucky. I thought they were unlucky not to get something out of the game anyway. Um, but, you know, that decision is kind of neither here nor there for me. The VAR discussion will rumble on and we're going to get Keith Hackett, former head of the PGMOL, PGMOL, uh, onto the show in the next few days. Um, I've been in touch, so looking forward to getting Keith's views on that as somebody uh, who ran the PGMOL, uh, ran the referees of the Premier League, governed them for a long, long time and someone who was very behind VAR and probably, like me, feels that it's still a good thing. It's just not quite being used in the right way. So very much looking forward to catching up with Keith. Turn the notifications on. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already so that you don't miss that one. And uh, we're going to be back later on tonight. 10 p.m. myself and Metro Sports Mike Stavrou will be taking your questions on the Arsenal. So get them in. Um, if you go onto our YouTube community post, you'll see there... Um, that there is a post uh, underneath which you can leave your questions. If you want to get your questions in on Twitter, you can do that at Chronicles underscore AFC. If you want to stick them in the comments here, um, not the live comments, the comments at the bottom of the video, that's fine too. I'll check those before we go live later. So uh, looking forward to catching up with uh, some of you a little bit later on. Until then, take care, stay safe, and I hope you've enjoyed the first edition of the Premier League Roundup. Let me know your thoughts in the comments. Cheers. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.